Hey, Manuel, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Angela. It's, uh, it's a pleasure being here. Yes, yes. I uh, am really excited to talk to you about a few things. Uh, and the first thing is uh, just your, your story. Uh, you know, a lot of times on, on this podcast, I think in, in so many ways we get to people's background and stories, but I just want to ask it up front uh, and also tell us what you do um, and what impact you're looking to make on the world. Uh, super. Yeah. Um, I'm here representing Era 92, um, which is a social enterprise, uh, Era 92 Creative Social Enterprise that is working in the slums and underprivileged areas across Uganda. We pick up young people from the slums give them the skills they need, and then connect them to a global opportunities. And so, uh, but the way the company started really revolves around my story and how I grew up. So I grew up in one of the worst slums called Kosovo, named after the Kosovo in Europe. And uh, what, what, what really happened was that uh, uh, my mom was abused at the age of uh, 17. So she gave birth to me and her parents denied to take on a child who didn't have a father. At the same time, her father denied to take on the responsibility to raise me. So my mom had to run away from all those, uh, from the village to go to the city to find a better life. So that was a very hard move and a brave move for her because in the city, you can only survive when you have money. In the village, you could, you know, have fruits, you know, you know, dig and farm. In the city, it's only surviving when you have money in your pocket. So she didn't have any money, but she came. When she reached the city, she ended up in the slums because that's where she could afford uh, relatively cheap housing. Mm. But Kosovo was one of the worst places to be in at that time. So that was 1993 or three months. We ended up there. And she, you know, vowed to really make my life better and do everything she could. Um, one of the things she had to do was to put me through school. And that's the only way I could survive what the streets and the slums could offer me. So my mom uh, failed because it was very hard and uh, she didn't have anyone uh, she could know, she knows in, in the slums. So until seven years, hadn't joined school. And um, that meant that the streets are now going to take me, right? And so that's what happened. Uh, my mom, and uh, I, I ran away from home and I joined the streets. And that's when life became uh, different for me. I was sleeping outside, I joined a gang, I was recruited, and we used to do all sorts of uh, bad stuff. And uh, at least, you know, one year joining the, the, the gang, um, we lost so many members. Uh, at the age of nine, at least six of my members, uh, a group of 12 young boys, some of them were killed. And there was no way out. Uh, our gang leader could just recruit more young people. So we're tired of the life, but we didn't have any way out. Mm. And um, during that time, um, we just did the same thing for four years until one, one event happened when our gang leader was, uh, was killed. So when he was killed, the group dispersed. And now that meant that no one could recruit more young people. And so every young person that was part of the group had to find a new life. And um, we went hiding on that night in the cold. And that's when a group of missionaries uh, that had come from Northern Ireland had come to build a school for street children. So as they were walking around the, 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 the slums, they identified us. And on 
that same day, one of the ladies that had worked and had experience with rescuing streets from the uh, children from the streets asked me one thing that what's one thing that we can give you that you never go back on the streets? And um, I think that's a question that really started to change my life. I knew what I wanted. I wanted to put my hands on a computer. So she gave me mm-hmm. a computer and she said that if you come and join us at a crusade, we'll give you um, a computer. So I realized, okay, for me to get this gift, we have to also become creative. So my, uh, my friend and I, we realized, okay, if this person is going to give us a computer and he's going to give you some musical instruments, why don't we perform for them? So we uh, teamed up and made a, a group called the Happy Boys. And Happy we, Boys. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we went and danced for the, for the missionaries. And um, that's how things changed. And uh, they gave us the computers. We gave our lives to Christ and we left the slums and the streets like that. On the same day, they recruited us to join a local church and we started doing work for the local church. I started presenting, doing graphics, and I also using the computer to train myself to become a designer. I was using tutorials online. So I did that for about six years. And another big event happened for me when still Coca-Cola had come to organize uh, uh, a Coca-Cola talent show in the slums where they could discover talent from the slums. And... Um, they organized it and I showed cast my work that I had designed for them. And they offered me a paid internship at one of their marketing agencies. Mm-hmm. And that was my gateway outside the slums. But um, as all these things happened, I just wanted to paint a picture. There was a series of events that happened that really um, made sure that I, I could, my chances of escaping the slums were increasing year by year. After all, I got the skills I needed. I was put back to school and I got an opportunity outside Islam. So when I left Islam's, my life was different, but the lives of my friend wasn't changing. Like my friend's life were just drugs, a crime. Most of them were ending up in jail and the worst of all, most of them were ending up in the grave. So I started developing a strong sense of responsibility that if I was, I'm one of the people who have survived all of this chaos, Maybe it's a, for, a, for a reason, and I should do something about it. And uh, that inspired me to quit my six-month internship mm-hmm. in four months. And then I went back to start ERA 92. ERA 92 comes from the year that I was born, and oh. ERA means the generation, um, my generation, my time here on Earth. And so I want to use this uh, time here on Earth to help um you know, reverse engineer the, the problems that are causing poverty in Africa, but also create uh, jobs for millions of young people in my lifetime across Africa. And so we started a company called Renated 2, and to date we've created over 1,800 skilled jobs. We have at least over 60 young people working for brands uh, locally and internationally. And we've gone on to start other social enterprises that are also creating jobs um, in the slums. So yeah, that's pretty much over my story and uh, uh, and the journey that I'm on to make uh, our lives in Africa better. Because uh, I think about two things, right? The things that come to mind for me are one, uh, how do we fix these problems at the root? So the situation that you were in with your mom, where I know you mentioned she failed, but she was a, you know kind of a product of of her environment and what she was able to do and accomplish. 
Um, and you were able to transcend that, but many people weren't. Mm. So help us just understand, because I'm from the U.S. Um, there's other people who are tuning in from many different countries, different social, economic um, situations. So help us just like paint the picture of um, kind of the social, economic and educational environment within Africa or within your region in particular. Yeah, uh, I think that's a very uh, cautious uh, question and uh, it's, uh, it's very nice. Uh, but yeah, uh, it it all roots from uh, the, the 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 conditions that you know Africa that is uh, have been portrayed as right. Many people know poverty. Many people know all these kind of things. But as you know, anywhere in the world right now, there are issues. Any country, America, everywhere, there are issues. But I always believe in this thing, uh, which is called. Uh, the sack of influence, you know, what do you focus on whenever mm. it's chaos? So the mm. problem that we have in Africa, that all our problems are being focused on in the aspect of the problem, not the opportunity. Mm. So me, I was this kid in the slums. I had talent. I was smart. And many other kids were smart. But all the solutions are, that were coming in our slums, which was a very poor slum, were mm solutions that were keeping us in the same situation mm. in other words they were not giving us economic mobility uh social mobility whereby okay if these persons are these people are poor if my mom was working hard right but all the programs that were coming in that uh community during that time were to give us food for six days right oh let's mm. let's go and rob some food but i believe like if during that time um my mom was given a loan to start a small business during that time i know there weren't anything like that loans have eventually come people are doing loans for uh, poor people but my mom that's what she needed because i have a picture of her when she was trying to sell charcoal and she was so entrepreneurial but she didn't have the capital to start and do something mm. big and so that's one of the things that we look at our the, the problems in the way that we're not giving people the uh the ability to stand on their own eventually, however much the situation is too bad. So for me, that's what I got on. And then I actually gone on to realize that two uh, quotes that I already say, one of them is that brilliance is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. So now that covers the aspect of I'm, a, I'm, I'm someone, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a young entrepreneur who are able to overcome all this stuff and be able to build a company that has created over 1,800 skilled jobs and also employing over 60 people full-time. That means the problem of that um, in my time wasn't that I wasn't brilliant, but I would nearly lose all this talent if I didn't get the opportunities that were lined up for me as they happened. Mm -hmm. And another quote is, poverty alleviation is not the same as creating prosperity. When you look at all the countries that have developed, America and all these countries, there were problems during that time. They were also once poor, but they focused on cr prosperity creation. They, pro they focused on things that are creating jobs, uh, changing the economies and stuff like that. And for us in Africa, most people know, okay, I can only send aid to Africa. And that's why for us, when I'm traveling around, I'm saying, can you give us jobs? Because once you put, why, why are people poor? People are poor because they don't have money in their pockets. And how do we put money into people's pockets? Is through giving them jobs, giving them work and stuff like that. And that's how we can start to see 
uh, socioeconomic mobility and uh, prosperity creation uh, across the continent. Yeah, no, that, that's a really um, important reframing of what we're talking about. And I think a lot of times people do lean on the charity parts uh, versus the sustainable regenerative opportunities that create and multiply yeah. prosperity, right? Which is I think what, what you're talking about. And so I would love to hear more about the the idea, the model that you have for, for your, your business on creating these jobs. Mm. Uh, how does it work? Tell us a little bit more just about the process and what the impact is. Yeah, um, I was looking at how can we create jobs at scale, you know, um, especially in, in the Africa context. And um, one of the things that uh, I, in my industry of, you know, creative work, the first thing I went and Googled was how, 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 what is the market value of the outsourcing industry? Hmm. And I did that. I was like, it was 260 billion, right? 260 billion. 260 billion. Yes. And wow. I went ahead with such, uh, who has the biggest market share? And it was India. And I was like, wow. So India has over 150 something, uh, sorry, 100 billion something of that market share. That is money that is going to India every year. No wonder why right now their ecosystem of talent has improved over time because of that investment, because of that lookout for talent. And I was, uh, I was like, I, de- I made this wish. I was like, you know, even if we just take, you know, 30% of that, how much would that be? So my goal right now is to make and, you know, promote Africa to become the next India. Why? When you look at the landscape uh, of talent and how things are evolving, also India is becoming expensive. Things are, you know, becoming really expensive over there. And when you look around, where is the next talent pool for the world to tap into? And the only virgin area is Africa. Right now, Africa, we have the fastest growing economies. We have the fastest growing population of young people. You know, by 2050, at least will be the youngest continent on the world and other uh, continents, their population will be plumbing. So what does that mean? That the, the opportunity is here, but maybe people haven't seen it. And the mm-hmm. internet penetration, the opportunities that are here, I think this is what people should be looking for next. As they went to China, as they went to India, the next move is Africa. And yes, mm-hmm. it is happening, right? We have really talented uh, young people. Right now, most of our companies um, um, who are, we are working with, the value they are getting is way beyond uh, what they would have gotten in case they are you know, outsourcing from India. And also the price point because of the economies uh, and how you know, the salaries here in Africa are. And so our model is simple. We look out for companies who want to send our work to Africa or who want to outsource. And we right now outsourcing for things. We are outsourcing video editing. We are outsourcing graphic designing, digital marketing, and um, website development and software development. So those are the four pillars that uh, we are definitely pulling uh, out to Africa right now. And the process is simple. We've made it very, very simple. For those who are, who are starting out, we offer unlimited uh, creative uh, subscriptions, whereby you can subscribe and be getting a number of services as you go every month, as you need them. 
So it's a kind of different model whereby if you don't want to hire an individual editor or graphic designer or social media manager, you can subscribe on a creative combo and then you could be getting whatever you need to grow and scale your business. So that's kind of uh, the model that you've been doing. But remember, the profits from this work are now helping us reinvest back into creating more talent and training up young people through our program called the Elevate Program. So I believe if we can do this at scale and at least have, you know, even if it's 20% of the um, market share of the global outsourcing industry, I mean, that would be millions of jobs created across Africa. Mm. I just love the connection back to your story, right? Where you were handed that computer and you were given this opportunity and now you're creating this uh, same opportunity with thousands, hundreds of thousands at some point of others. And I have to ask the question just because, you know, people may be thinking about the term outsourcing and especially in the U.S., right? There is kind of this connotation of, uh, you know, by by America, you know, we we want to do everything within our our our, our nation here. And um, so, tell us more about kind of the the ethical part of outsourcing, how you're like rethinking the model, um, and then also why and if you think that we should be thinking on a more global scale when it comes to some of these jobs. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there are two there, there are two uh, solutions. Right now, we, we are not looking at the scale of maybe taking out all the American jobs. We're actually, our model is like more of a, a plug-in model whereby we help you scale, right? You already have your people in-house. You don't want to maybe hire more people uh, on top of the one that you're currently uh, doing. So we first targeted the organizations that maybe at, you know, a mid-level and they just want external help on top of what they're already having. And so that, that's, uh, that's, those are the companies that our model really fits, fits very, very well. The other vision is at, at, at the global scale because right now COVID changed so many things, right? That things can be done everywhere and uh, in, in the world. And we also target those people who do not have enough money to hire people uh, full-time in America, right? There are those companies that uh, don't have the capacity to pay 50 or $60,000 for an editor for a year in, in America, but they have a dream to start a business. Maybe they can outsource that work to Africa. So it, as it's an ethical thing. It comes from a, 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 a point of empathy and also uh, equity, whereby you're trying to distribute opportunities. So... It's already happening, you know. If people, I, I, I don't know, I don't know uh, from the from my head the amount of donations that are coming to Africa, right? Mm. If we can just channel them into work, it's the same thing, you know. Already the heart mm. and the desire to help Africa is there, but we just need a different way of doing it. I think that's what will create the ripple effect to see uh, the real change happening in Africa. Most people are frustrated, actually, why all the billions that have been channeled through uh, charities haven't really done the impact at scale. Mm. That's the same problem, is that the money is not trickling down in the people's pocket. But mm. think about it. If you give work and someone does the job and the money goes into their pocket, it goes into their family and it goes into the nearby community. And that's how the communities change. Most of the money that comes through programs, uh, you know, big organizations, it's go through so many management but jobs are the only ones that can create prosperity at scale, I believe. Mm. Yeah, and then that's that, uh, that, that reframing that you mentioned, which is more of a prosperity mindset versus poverty mindset. Uh, and so 
you know, we're talking about this um, hopefully regenerative type of um, injection back into the economy from the ground up, mm. uh, from a groundswell, which I think is something that honestly, um, I think we struggle with sometimes. <laughs> it's very easy to just throw money um, if you have it, but the creating the opportunities, creating the jobs and thinking about how that compounded over time can actually hopefully create some structure to maintain mm. that prosperity that you talked about. Yeah, exactly. Well, this, um, first of all, you're doing great work. And uh, I know that you are using your, your talents, your resources, your energy to create more opportunity, which is very much in line with, with this, this podcast, uh, specifically around um, the connection to work. Uh, and so I would love to hear a little bit more about the, the types of skills that you feel like you're building as a result of this within, within your community. Because we talk about jobs, right? We're connecting jobs. But this is also an opportunity to big, build skill and capability. So what are some of the things that you're focused on to, I guess, future-proof or to continue to build, build that uh, structure? Yeah, uh, that's a very good one. Like in our, in our programs, uh, one of the most attended and most focused on lesson is what we call we design a program or a course it's not a program or it's a course it's something in the middle it's called lifelong learners so this is where we uh put most of our focus because everything is changing right from the ai development from uh the machines you know taking over from the eradication of so many uh jobs that will happen the only thing that will stay are some of the soft skills that will uh, be of human, and we focus on mm. those things. But then on top of the soft skills, empathy, emotional intelligence, and other things that will and creativity that will you know stay for a longer time, we also advocate for lifelong learners, for people to be able to shift as soon as possible, right? Mm. And so mm. some of the people right now are hesitant to shift towards the uh, use of AI. Some of them are afraid about it, but some of us are using it and it has really, you know, saved us almost 40% of the time on the things we should be spending time, a lot of time on. And so for those who adapt uh, faster, they'll be able to stay relevant for a longer time. And that's the code for the 21st century. Uh, for those who said, oh, I don't want the internet, I don't want to use social media, their, their voice is not visible as those who are out there putting putting out content. So that, you know, the, the, the lifelong uh, learners program um, is one that we focus on that, you know, right now we should become lifelong learners because things are changing. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know how the fully development of AI is going to shift how things uh, are done in the entire world. So let's be ready to learn something new as it comes. And are you, so with this program uh, where you're, and again, you're kind of tackling both, right? You're, you're upskilling, future-proofing skill sets, and then also connecting organizations with this talent, which I think is a great connection. Um, what gap are you filling? What disparity are you uh, filling in Africa from an educational perspective? Because I heard your story about, you know, you wanting to go to school and that wasn't a possibility for you. Mm. Help us understand um, what gaps you're filling there. Um, I'm filling the opportunity gap. Um, 
uh, when we started out the program, um, we could give skills. In the first two years of our program, we we're doing a great job of giving young people the skills. And now we started tracking them. Okay, how are they doing now? And then we realized that most of them didn't go any further than where we left them. Why? They did not have uh, the access to the jobs. And they don't have the access to a computer. And so that's, I'm going to explain a little bit more. So the opportunity gap that, I'm, uh, that we are solving as 092 is that realize that, okay, we need now to offer another layer of hope on top of what we are doing. So training enough right now is not enough, right? MasterCard Foundation is running programs across Africa. Many people are, are running programs, but there is, a, there, there, there is a, a problem with the access to the opportunity, mm. the access okay. to financing. And so under what we've done, we also have another social enterprise arm, which is called Era 92 Fund. Mm. And Era 92 Fund is where actually now we fund young people to buy their first camera, to buy their first mm. computer, to be able to start their freelancing career. And so those are the gaps that we are bridging with our program. It's not mainly focused, uh, it's not, the, the, the biggest work we are doing right now is not mainly on the training program, because that That's could be done by other people. But now it's a, how many young people are we placing into work? How many young people have started their small businesses? How many young people are supported, you know, uh, as they move on? So that, that gap in between, because as I said, if my life, I didn't get the opportunities that I need, I didn't get that opportunity to, uh, with Coca-Cola, pretty much I would still be in the slums. That was a breakthrough. Maybe someone, someone else would, would have come and pick me out, but that opportunity, that's what really changed the entire thing. And I know many of the people who had talent that never made it out. Mm. So if people want to get involved, so everyone's listening to this and thinking maybe their, you know, wheels are turning on how they can get involved and support this focus on prosperity, bridging the gap, creating access, creating opportunity. How can the average person help elevate your, your cause here? Um, yeah, definitely. The first thing is give us work. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> Think about the work you have uh, with your organization and send it back uh, to us here in uh, Kampala, Uganda. Uh, but also you could, uh, you know, support the Elevate program in ways. Uh, your skill sets, you know, we've gotten, a, you know, really amazing uh, people who have actually helped us. The, peop the people who helped us streamline our processes for us to be able to work with, well with our Western clients in the US and the UK, they were volunteers. The people who helped us streamline our messaging, they were volunteers that we got from We Make Change. So it's not about uh, the money alone. It's not about the work alone. It's about the shift of the mindset to actually do something that is going to create ripple effects in Africa. And so there's so many ways you can be part of us, you know, sharing our word out there, uh, come volunteer with us, send us work, you know, come help us, you know, take our business to another level, refer us, you know, mm -hmm. everything. <laughs> yes, yes. And and that's uh, absolutely, I think, the, the, the right approach. Um, it's, again, it's very easy to send money. Uh, mm -hmm. It is a little bit more intentional and, and takes some, um, you know, some heart and some energy to, you know, think about this from a sustainability perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Emmanuel, I'm just so happy you were able to join us. Uh, I think we could talk for a really long time about um, 
your work and some of these issues. But just to kind of close out here, uh, where can, ever, can people find you? So people know how to help now. Where can people find you and, and take the next step? Um, yeah, the first step to go is our short website is www.era92.com. Uh, if you go there, you can see the vast uh, projects that you can be involved in. And uh, for me, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn at Emmanuel Trinity. Emmanuel Trinity or anyone on social media, you'll see me. Um, I'm on a mission to create 10,000 skilled jobs in the next uh, two years. All right. Well, Emmanuel, it was so, uh, so great to have you on. Uh, I hope many people who are listening contribute uh, to this, uh, this impact that you're making. And thank you for, for sharing your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Angela. Yeah.